Ticket City presents Why You Go to See the Red Raiders. So this was the moment in tech sports, and I was a senior in high school at the time, and I remember wanting to go to the game, but I couldn't because I had to work a shift. When my shift ended, me and my coworkers just turned on the radio, and we all hung around my truck, and all of a sudden we heard the roar of the crowd, so we knew something happened, and then we heard the famous call on the radio of Crabtree scoring to beat UT. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit LubbockOnline.com slash sports and click tickets. From the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com, here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. And hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, the sports editor here at the newspaper. And on the phone in another edition of the Red Raiders podcast, we've got Mark Cooper of the Tulsa World News. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing very well, Carlos. How about yourself? I know you're a little bit busy, so I appreciate the time, man. Uh, I know you cover Oklahoma State football and basketball. Of course, you can check uh, Mark Cooper, Mark underscore Cooper Jr. for all the information and latest on the Oklahoma men's basketball team. I'll just kind of give you that tip. Just know he was really busy today, but appreciate uh, you. And uh, obviously the whole reason I got you on here, we're talking a little bit of Oklahoma State and uh, Texas Tech. Of course, Oklahoma State got a big victory last week over Boise State, I guess. What did you kind of see from them, uh, Mark? Yeah, you know, uh, the biggest thing that that we saw in the OSU-Boise State game was a defense that was more aggressive and and more successful uh, more than anything than it has been the last couple of years. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State hired a new defensive coordinator this offseason. Yep. Jim Knowles came over from Duke, uh, and they dialed up pressure against Boise State and an experienced quarterback and Brett Rippon uh, recorded seven sacks. Jordan Brailford, uh, defensive end, but a guy who they used at linebacker kind of all over the field uh, last Saturday had two sacks. Uh, just a tremendous performance against the Boise State team that came in uh, off of you know 56 and, and 60 uh, point performances in their first two games. Uh, so that was the biggest thing, and, and the other aspect was Taylor Cornelius in his third career start continued to get a little bit better each week Uh, the big thing Saturday was they unveiled a new running package for him and he carried the ball 16 times for 41 yards and two touchdowns Uh, almost looked like a Kansas State type quarterback at the goal line so uh, a couple big developments for OSU after they kind of played things a little bit vanilla the first two weeks of the season and it certainly got a lot of people buzzing in Stillwater about potential for this team and in what originally sort of felt like a transitional year so i know i'll kind of ask you the questions i normally ask you so we can kind of get a little bit of of a feel for oklahoma state off uh, we'll talk a little bit about taylor cornelius and just kind of how some of the other pieces kind of came in and have been successful once again for mike gundy and his uh more than decade long uh, tenure there at oklahoma state but one of the things i've been reading on twitter that everyone just kind of wants to know maybe you have a better feel for this but what's just made oklahoma state just so good over the last several years and I the, the only reason I bring it up is because they lost so much last year I believe they lost nine players with about 27 starts under under their belts including James Washington Mason Rudolph just guys that are now in the NFL but they're still clicking on offense and defense yeah everywhere you look there's somebody who was a big contributor last year you mentioned those guys you know they lost two 
you know, three or four year starters on their offensive line. Yep. Trey Flowers, a three year starter at safety. Chad Whitener, a veteran veteran linebacker. Uh, there were there were a few places on this team that that they didn't lose a key veteran. Um, but this has been you know sort of the deal here for for Mike Gundy over the last decade. They had a couple speed bumps. You know, you look at the 2014 season where they nearly missed a bowl, had to had to surprise everybody in Bedlam to get to six and six, and that sort of set things forward with Mason Rudolph the last three seasons. Uh, but other than that year, for the most part, they've been consistent in that they're able to win, you know, anywhere from seven to ten games a year. And and this was supposed to be a year that uh, you're looking at it eight, eight and four maybe seven and five depending on how the quarterback plays uh, but I think Mike Gundy's hire of Jim Knowles has sort of changed the dynamic here and the fact that on, on offense around Cornelius mm-hmm. uh, though they lost so many guys they're still just sort of stocked with playmakers you know the one place they didn't lose anybody was running back and they're very good there but uh at wide receiver i'm amazed at how their receivers coach casey dunn has recruited the position to where you lose james washington and marcel aitman to the draft and i uh, hear you got tylen wallace and yep. tyron johnson you know both over 100 yards at, at different points in the season already so i guess for you just kind of seeing what this offense has been able to do under taylor cornelius is this a little bit uh i shouldn't say un- unexpected but certainly a guy with that much experience has been under Coach Gundy, been with the program. Were, were, were y'all expecting this uh, kind of a start from Oklahoma State? And what's made Taylor just so efficient or just so good so far? Yeah, you know, nobody really knew what to expect. Uh, if you go back into the spring, I think a lot of people expected somebody else would be the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Spencer Sanders, the the great high school quarterback out of Denton Ryan, I think a lot of people thought when he signed, he's going to be a true freshman starting quarterback here for OSU, and, and they bring in the grad transfer and Drew Brown. But credit to Taylor Cornelius, who helped both of those guys off. Uh, over the summer and in August, and uh, fifth-year senior, for, former walk-on, a guy who really stuck it out here and got his chance. Uh, I think everybody expected this offense to excel because the playmakers around him are so good that he just has to take care of the ball and, and hand it off to Justice Hill and, and get it out to their you know strong four receivers. Uh, but he's he's shown a little bit more. He, the one place he's struggled so far is the deep ball, which is kind of interesting because that's what OSU has been known for in the last few seasons. He hasn't connected on on many of those yet, but mm-hmm. he's completing 64% of his passes. He's averaging you know 323 yards a game seven touchdowns through through the air two on the ground so he's been just pretty prolific uh turned the ball over three times in the first two games but against boise state uh between passing and running he 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 had the ball 42 times without a turnover so i think uh, you're seeing him get incrementally better each week and and mike gundy has said that cornelius knows this offense as well as anybody he's had in there which i think is, is the biggest thing for why he's able to be successful and I guess just kind of looking at it, and I know you kind of mentioned some of the stats for Cornelius. Uh, is it is it a fair assessment to call him a, a dual threat quarterback? And I guess what what else has helped him? Because I know you met, mentioned Justice Hill, who I feel is one of the top top two or three running backs. I I feel like he's the top one now that Rodney Anderson is out for the season for Oklahoma. But certainly he's a guy that has so much speed and just playmaking ability behind Cornelius that maybe they could have given him the ball and that could have maybe taken some pressure off of him. Yeah, you know, I think it's fair to call call Cornelius a dual threat guy. Mike Gundy had told everybody for the last you know six months, Cornelius can run more than you think, and uh, we saw it a little bit last year in in practice and in games. He had a long touchdown run in garbage time against Baylor that I think opened some eyes. Yeah, uh, but he was a, he was a four sport athlete in high school, uh, a very good basketball player who could dunk. Uh, he set he set records, uh, school records 
uh, for their track and field team in, in the high jump. And so he was extremely athletic. Uh, he doesn't look the part of a running quarterback because he's six foot six, 230. Uh, but the way he strides so long that, that he's able to move pretty fast. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it really caught Boise State by surprise. Obviously, going forward, it, teams will be you know sort of looking for it. Uh, but I do think it's, it's a key part of their offense at this point because you mentioned Justice Hill, and they really struggled to run the ball against South Alabama in the second game of the year. Hill only had 32 yards on nine carries. I think once Cornelius started running the ball against Boise State and keeping defense honest, it, it opened things up a little bit for Hill. He had 123 yards against Boise State. Uh, it adds an element to their offense that takes uh, maybe some pressure off an offensive line that's going through some struggles right now, and, and it'll help the running backs get going, too. And, of course, the wide receivers have gotten going, too, and I think that's one of the, the interesting little parallels that Oklahoma State and Texas Tech have uh, kind of have going into this game. We're talking to Mark Cooper of the Tulsa World. He covers Oklahoma State football and basketball for the newspaper out there. You can follow him at Mark underscore Cooper Jr. But just going back to the wide receivers, I know you mentioned that James Washington, a huge name. Everyone kind of knows him now because he's in the NFL. But even though they have some new faces, it's not necessarily names that you haven't heard of. Maybe a uh, Tillon Wallace might be someone that you haven't heard of. But Dylan Stoner, he's a guy I remember. Jalen McCleskey. It just seems like there's wide receivers. It's just a matter of they just have to kind of make some plays there for him. Yeah, McCleskey's been around forever. He was making plays back in, in 2015. Yep. He had a return touchdown down there in, in Lubbock as a freshman. Uh, Tylen Wallace has become the, the go-to guy, and you mentioned he's somebody who maybe people don't know as much about. He was a four-star uh, receiver out of Fort Worth. So mm-hmm. not, you know, Washington, the story with him was he was so under-recruited. Wallace was a big name when they brought him in and uh, played a little bit last year as a true freshman, caught seven passes, but he's just been Cornelius' favorite target, and he's been phenomenal. He's had back-to-back 100-yard games. He's a, a terrific route runner, good hands, can go deep, uh, just sort of a really reliable target. Tyron Johnson's their big play threat. He's averaging 23 yards of reception right now, and, and when OSU was able to get him the ball in space, they did some things against Boise where they had Cornelius rolling out and, and Johnson sort of speaking, uh, streaking horizontally across the field and, and catching the ball and, and making some yards after the catch. Uh, he's, he's as dangerous as anybody on the offense. Uh, so th- those are the four guys that they really lean on. They, they haven't used uh, really more than five wide receivers at all this season and uh, they use the running backs in the passing game a little bit chuba hubbard and justice hill uh, specifically i think are, are guys who are big play threats when when they can sort of get them the ball in the flat um, but like you said texas tech and oklahoma state both teams just sort of have the ability to reload at wide receiver and, and it's pretty uh pretty impressive not only that but then it seems like the cowboys are still scoring as much as they have on offense which is probably a good thing and of course texas tech had its little outburst against houston last week everyone now knows the name of freshman quarterback Alan Bowman. That seemed to be a, a performance of 605 yards, five touchdowns, breaking the Big 12 uh, freshman record set by Patrick Mahomes uh, the second couple years ago. So certainly that made some waves. I guess what what is uh, the Oklahoma State Cowboys or anyone that you've spoken to during media availability mentioned about that offense and what they've been able to do despite losing players like Akiki QT and all these other guys and playmakers and Nick Shimanek at quarterback, are, are, are they still kind of aware that they still can make those big plays? Yeah, absolutely. Mike Gundy had, had high praise for Alan Bowman when he talked about him on Monday. And uh, I mean, how could you not after after what he's done so far this season? Mm-hmm. But he said he's a guy that I think uh, there are a lot of coaches probably wondering why why didn't we recruit him at this point the yeah. way he's he's played so far this year. Uh, I think that that OSU has high respect for Texas Tech and what they do offensively. I, obviously, you know, scoring seventy seven and sixty three the last two weeks will will do that. But 
they know that that every time they've played Texas Tech, for the most part, even though OSU's won nine in a row, yeah, a lot of these games have been really, really close. Especially last the last two, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then and the year before, you know, forty-five, forty-four, uh, and even the year before that, Texas Tech led that game by seventeen points at one mm-hmm. point, even though the final score was, you know, OSU seventy, Tech fifty-three. Yeah, Texas Tech was in that game for for the most part. So I think that uh, there's nobody who really overlooks Texas Tech. I, I wonder. Uh, it's interesting with this Oklahoma State team that entered the year unranked in the AP poll. This is their first taste of success, and, yep. and how did they respond to that? Or you know, but I, but I do think that Texas Tech has played OSU so tight the last two years that a lot of the players on this team don't look at Texas Tech and think that uh, you know they can overlook them. So I know we we kind of mentioned it. You mentioned some names, but uh, just for me, just looking at this defense, I know it lost a little bit. You, you kind of mentioned it with Flowers and and some of the other guys, but a guy that really could be a force at least. Uh, when I watched Ed Oliver and what he was able to do for Houston on that defensive line, Jordan Brailford, I guess what has he been able to do? No, they've got 16 sacks. I believe he has uh, four or three, uh, four or three sacks out of that total. Yeah, he's got four sacks. Yeah, uh, I think that's tied for third in the country right mm-hmm. now. Uh, he's he's somebody who Oklahoma State has liked for a long time, but he, he was injured for the most part for the first half of his career. Uh, finally got healthy last season and, and had a pretty good year with 11 tackles for loss. But when Jim Knowles came in, uh, he identified Brailford and, and Calvin Bundage, one of their linebackers, as mm-hmm. the two guys in this defense who he thought could really wreak some havoc, uh, especially in the pass rush. And, uh, he's kind of done a unique thing with Brailford specifically to, to sort of free him up. I counted there were about four different places on the field that, that they used Brailford against Boise State. They lined him up at defensive end. They, they lined him up at outside linebacker. They created a package where they had a three down front, and it was Brailford standing in the middle at inside linebacker. They they didn't keep him at a traditional defensive end spot because they wanted to move him around and, and make the defense think and, and make adjustments at the line. Uh, and, and Brailford loves the idea of that, and, and it was really, really successful because he was in the backfield. Even when he wasn't getting a sack, he was creating so much havoc on one side of the field that it led to somebody else on OSU's defense getting a sack. So uh, I think Brailford and Bundage are, are sort of chess pieces that Knowles likes to move around and, and kind of confuse opposing offenses with, and, and I would expect that to continue against that. So I'd uh, be remiss if I didn't mention this, but it's third facet of the game, and certainly it played a huge part for Oklahoma State last week, but they blocked two punts, certainly a change of momentum, and I know one of the big stats that everyone will be talking about is that they're tied with Temple for the lead in blocks, uh, block kick, pardon me, block kicks, pardon me, since uh, 2013. I guess what what has made them just so good on special teams, and how much has that helped them, uh, minus the Boise State game in terms of just making maybe a close game or just kind of turning the tide in their favor? Yeah, you know, they've been really good over the last five years in in large part just because of individual talent. They've mm-hmm. had a couple guys who, who really had a knack for it. Uh, you know, in back-to-back years, defensive tackles, James Castleman and Vincent Taylor, both both were really, really great at, at getting through the line and blocking kicks uh, and, and just really successful at it. Uh, this past week against Boise State, it was, it was scheme and, and players who were trusting the scheme because uh, OSU special teams coaches uh, noticed that Boise State was slow to get the punt off. Uh, They noticed that the shield in front of the punter didn't always tighten up and there was an opportunity to sort of run straight down the middle and and they were able to do it twice. Um, So I think that, you know, they've got a new special teams coordinator this year that so far has looked pretty good. Uh, That's that's a huge part of the game. Obviously, 14 points off blocked punts uh, last Saturday in a in a game that OSU won by 23 really swings things and uh, the other aspect that I think Oklahoma State is really solid on special teams in is, is the kicking game. Manny mm-hmm. Madola hasn't missed a field goal uh, since October of last year. He's been as steady a guy as, as they've had in years. Uh, the one question mark for them right now is punter. 
Zach Siner, who, who was really steady the last few years, hasn't played this year because he had a, a hernia surgery in the preseason. Uh, Mike Gundy says he thinks Siner will be back for the Texas Tech game, and that'll be pretty crucial because their backup has been sort of up and down. Mm-hmm. But everywhere else on special teams, they've been pretty solid, which is which is good for them because last year they weren't very good on special teams, and so they've been able to get things figured out. Once again, that's Mark Cooper. He's the Oklahoma State football and basketball writer for the Tulsa World got a couple more questions before we uh let you go here mark uh, but i guess j- just in general i guess if you're kind of watching this game of course it's going to be in stillwater it's going to be at 6 p.m on saturday what are you looking for to see if te- if texas tech or oklahoma state has a pretty good advantage or a, a pretty pr- pretty good deal to where you know okay this is probably going this way or that way uh, i think on the Oklahoma State side of things, the, the biggest thing is whether, how well they're able to run the ball because uh, Justice Hill, like I said, had 123 yards against Boise State. Mm-hmm. 50, 54 of those came on, on one run, and, and you take that out, and, and he didn't have a you know a fantastic game. The offensive line has, has struggled to run block. Uh, even with that 50-plus that yard run, they only, they only have 4.6 yards a carry against Boise and 3.7 against South Alabama. So if OSU can come out and, and prove that they can run the ball down Texas Tech's throat, I I really like OSU's chances of winning the game. I think it makes things easier on Taylor Cornelius. Uh, I think that if Cornelius can play another turnover-free game, OSU will be in really good shape. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I'm fascinated by the matchup of Tech's big receivers against Oklahoma State's corners. I think mm-hmm. the cornerback position still, to me, is is maybe the, the place where OSU's most vulnerable. A.J. Green, who's their number one corner, got beat for two touchdowns against Boise State. Uh, if Texas Tech can, can feast on OSU's corners, I, I would guess that OSU's planning to blitz and, and leave their corners on an island like they did against Boise. And if Tech's able to get the ball out fast and, and beat their corners, they're gonna have a chance to stay in this game i i sort of think this is gonna end up becoming a, a shootout like it always seems to be between these teams and um you know those are the two big matchups i'm looking at once again that's mark cooper of the tulsa world he covers oklahoma state football and bass and basketball for the newspaper appreciate the time mark and uh, enjoy the game man yeah thanks carlos once again this has been another edition of the red raiders podcast i'm carlos silva the sports editor for the lubbock avalanche and we'll talk to you all next week